This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we have wonderful readings this weekend. Uh, I'm going to focus on the second one first which is from Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul's greatest letter, his most ruminative and theologically searching letter. This little passage is from the 11th chapter. And here are some of the most famous lines in the New Testament. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. Now, that's given very beautiful expression by St. Paul, but you can find that idea up and down the Bible. God, if I can put it this way, is strange. God is hard to understand. God's judgments, his ways, his strategies, what he's up to, is very hard for us to understand. How inscrutable his judgments, how unsearchable his ways. But now we got to be careful. If that's all God is, he's just inscrutable, period. Well, then he's become a sort of capricious monster, like some tyrant that we just don't know what he's going to do and how he'll behave and how he'll react and what he'll think. So that, that can't be right, that all God is, is inscrutable. That's why you'll find in the Bible consistently a balance between God's inscrutability and God's great fidelity. God is also a rock, isn't he, in the Bible? That means something we can stand on, something we can rely on. We hear in the first letter of John that God is love, right? That means straight through. That's all he is. St. John of the Cross says that whenever Christ looks at you, it's a look of love, because that's all he knows how to do. God is reliable, dependable. We know who he is. We know his fundamental character. Now, here's the thing, and I emphasize this when I teach the theology of God here at the seminary. It's typical of theological language. Theological language is the language of puzzle and paradox. It often throws opposites together. Nicholas of Cusa, the great theologian, talked about the coincidentia oppositorum, the coming together of opposites in God. And much of our theological language is like that. So, for example, we say that God is transcendent, don't we? God goes beyond anything that we can know or control or understand. Augustine says, si comprehendus non est Deus, if you understand that isn't God. Thomas Aquinas says, whatever can be known or understood is less than God. 
The prophet Isaiah says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. God is transcendent. And yet, we say that God is radically imminent, don't we? Think of Psalm 139. Lord, you search me and you know me. You know my resting and my rising. You discern my purpose from afar. Before a word is ever on my lips, Lord, you know it through and through. Behind and before you besiege me, your hand ever laid upon me. Wow. Can you express God's intimacy more profoundly than that? No. What does Jesus say? The sparrow does not fall to the ground without your heavenly Father knowing it. In fact, God knows every hair on your head. That's how, how intimate God is. And, and the same prophet Isaiah who said, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts. That same prophet Isaiah said, speaking now in the words of God, in the voice of God, Could a mother forget her child? Even if she forgets, I'll never forget you. Now why? Because, God says, I've carved you on the palm of my hand. Radically transcendent and radically imminent. In a puzzle and paradox and mystery, those two forms of speech are thrown together. That's typical of theology. So you say, well, okay, I guess I kind of get that. It's a both and, not an either or. But can you give me a, a metaphor? Well, happily, um, yes. It's a metaphor that comes right up out of the heart of the Bible. It's the metaphor of a parent. God's described over and over again as father, isn't he? In fact, in the Psalms, he's compared to a mother. Did I have any doubt when I was a kid that my parents loved me? indeed loved me unconditionally. No, I had no doubt about that. Did it ever occur to me that my parents were capricious, arbitrary, that maybe one day they'd love me, next day they wouldn't love me? No, no, no. I mean, that, that was like a, a metaphor for me of what fidelity meant. It meant the way my parents loved me. My parents' love was like a rock. It was like a foundation. At the same time, were there lots of things that my parents did when I was a kid that struck me as pretty inscrutable? Yeah, I could mean, talk to any kid growing up, right? Things that your parents do, let's say forms of punishment, that you just do not understand. How could this ever be right what they're doing? Things that your parents allowed to happen. When you're a little guy, you know, and something your parents clearly are allowing to happen but strikes you as the worst kind of suffering. It makes zero sense to you. Many times as a kid, I was tempted to say, vis-a-vis my parents, how inscrutable their judgments, how unsearchable their ways. Why are they doing these things? I think I might have told you before this story. It's always haunted me from my years doing pastoral ministry of a young father whose three-year-old child was taken in for surgery. And the kid knew, his, his dad took him to the hospital, his dad was there with him after the surgery, that somehow his father was involved in all this mayhem. <laughs> this father whom he loved and trusted, but yet his father was allowing this to happen. 
And the dad coming to me as a priest and saying, Father, this was breaking my heart, is that I can't begin to explain to my son why this is happening. See, the kid in his three-year-old heart would have said some version of, well, how inscrutable his judgments, how unsearchable his ways, my father. Now, take that little example. Take the example of my own parents. And now, everybody, extrapolate to the infinite degree. See, the, the reason my parents' judgments in my regard were inscrutable was that they had a capaciousness of mind that I did not have, right? They saw things, they understood things that I, I couldn't begin to understand. And so, of course, their judgments seemed weird, bizarre, inscrutable, mysterious. Or that young father with his three-year-old son. You know, the father had a far greater grasp of the complexity of reality and of that kid's life, etc. Now, see, extrapolate from those to God. As Yates said, who has planets in his care. God who has in his providential care all of space, all of time. God whose concern is like that of a great artist who's mastering, think of Michelangelo mastering the whole Sistine Chapel ceiling. But what do we represent but one tiny little corner of what God is about? So of course his judgments are going to seem strange. But, but, see, as a little kid, I lived in the tension between my parents' inscrutable judgments and my utter confidence that they loved me. And that's exactly where the biblical authors want to put us vis-a-vis God. So we can say with Paul, how strange you are, O Lord. And we can say, O Lord, you are faithful, you are a rock. Now, I want to close with this, everybody, in the few minutes I have. This passage from Romans 11 comes at the end of a very famous section of Romans. It's Romans 9 to 11 in which Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. And I know this can seem very distant to us, but boy, for Paul, it was a central concern. Paul, obviously, was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, he often tells us. A proud Jew, a Pharisee, studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He said, to the Israelites, to the Jews, belong this great history of salvation. To them belong the covenant and temple and prophecy. God had chosen Israel as his special people. And then, then Paul sees, after the road to Damascus experience, that the revelation of Israel had reached its climax in the crucified and risen Jesus. He saw it. He got it. And that's what sent him around the world with this message that Israel's revelation had been fulfilled. But see, here's what broke his heart. As he went from town to town in the eastern part of the Mediterranean, he would go first to synagogues because he thought, well, sure, of course, the Jews will understand this. This is, this is their story. They'll, they'll get it. But even though many Jews, of course, did accept uh, Revelation, Christian Revelation, many did not. And it broke Paul's heart, and it puzzled him that the story of Israel, with its climactic final chapter in Jesus, was being accepted by... Gentiles. Huh. Some Jews, of course, of course, but many Jews rejected Paul's interpretation. 
In fact, this letter that we're reading from, he wrote to the Romans, right? He's, he's writing to, to uh, uh, Gentiles, and probably some Jews in the community as well, but Gentiles who were accepting the message. What is God up to? Why would he have chosen Israel as a special people, but then the story is being fulfilled by Gentiles? How weird, by the way, that I speak to you as the grandson of an Irish immigrant living now in America, a continent Paul never knew about. I'm speaking to you, almost all of you Gentiles, about the God of Israel. How inscrutable are his judgments, how unsearchable his ways. What's God up to? Well, we don't know for sure. We don't know why it worked this way, except, you know, how strange. Paul, writing these words to the Romans, tiny little Christian community. Would he ever have dreamed that the God of Israel would be extolled in the continent of America in the year 2014? How strange, how mysterious, how inscrutable God's ways. Now apply it to your own life. We all have situations like this. We who believe in God, we believe in his fidelity, we believe that he is love straight through, but yet we face problems, dilemmas, mysteries, things we just don't get. How could this be? How could this be permitted? Why is this happening? Look around the world. We all face this. And we say with Paul, how inscrutable his judgments, how unsearchable his ways. We're dealing with God himself. And so we accept in faith that he is a God of love, even when we can't begin to understand in detail precisely what he's up to and why. Inscrutable, yes. Faithful, yes. To live in that space is to live where the Bible wants us to be. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Friends, holiness is heroism, and we need heroic priests. That's why we partnered with Spirit Jew Studios to create a short film highlighting the demands and joys of the priesthood. Watch the entire film for free and share it with all the young men you know by visiting heroicpriesthood.com.